Hello, prototypes. Thanks for tuning in and joining me today on the Stem Sync Podcast. Guess what? Season one of the Stem Sync Podcast is coming to a close as I take some time to plan for season two. We have a few more episodes left, and I pray that I've obtained the goal of encouraging you along the STEM education and career pathway. Honestly, I've been blown away by the level of support from those who are not even within the science, technology, engineering, and math fields. The truth of the matter is, regardless of one's specialty, we can all resonate with honest and open conversations from real people. I'm certain you've gained from the shared resources and the authenticity of the guests speaks for themselves. Speaking of authenticity, prototypes, you are in for a treat as you get to hear a lively conversation that I had with a dear friend of mine, really like a sister, Cassie. I want to emphasize that the opinions of Miss Cassie A. Dua are based on her personal accounts and do not reflect those of her current and previous employers. She graciously agreed to be a part of the podcast, and I hope you enjoy. Now let's sing. All right, everyone, today you are in for a treat because I all, I mean, I know y'all tired of me saying that every guest is, is important and special, but if there's anybody who's been in the trenches with me through this process of school, undergrad, grad, life, Etc. Etc. It would be my line sister Cassie Adjimandua. So please, everyone, welcome Cassie to the wonderful Stem Sync podcast. Hey, girl. Hey, Crystal. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Oh, of course, of course. I laugh every time I think about Maryland, mainly because I just think about our last days of trying to get through <laughs> our degrees, and we were in the computer lab just looking at each just other like each other. I'm writing a paper on nanotechnology or something i don't even know you over there coding and it was Child. just a whole like we're gonna finish this degree we're gonna we're gonna finish <laughs> we're gonna finish this we're gonna degree. be done one day and, and then we, do you remember graduation man we couldn't stop smiling like we were smiling so hard i look back at those pictures like woo, <laughs> this is this is victory right here i don't care what nobody yes. couldn't tell us uh at all thing like we was on like, that day <laughs> Which who who are you? What you got to say? Exactly. Okay. You're no one. We're right. graduating. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what, what you're graduating. here for, but We're here graduating. I am getting yes. this degree program. Hey, oh, girl, <laughs> it was it's been real. So, Cassie, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your background, and then how you got into this whole STEM thing to begin with. All right. So uh, once again, my name is Cassie Adjimandua. And uh, my last name's hyphenated. And most people just call me Cassie Dua. Mm -hmm. But either one works. Let's see. So background, I currently work for Amazon AWS as a solutions architect. But I've had a very interesting journey in my tech career. So I went to school for electrical and fire protection engineering. It's in even interesting how I got there. Because when I came into Maryland, I was undecided. Mm. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a doctor and go to medical school. And then I got to college and realized I don't actually like biology or <laughs> the natural sciences. Like mm -hmm. it's just, you know, something that sounded good at the time, but I did like math. And so I was trying to figure out like what requires the most math, but I didn't want to be a math major because I didn't actually know what math majors did. So uh, to like, this day, do you know what a math major does? <laughs> I do now. I oh, know okay. that they do a lot of, they do, a, the math majors do a lot. They do, okay. um, okay. Amy analysts and statisticians, yeah, like, yeah. all types of um, things. So 
I do, but back then I was just like, I don't want to be a statistician. That's all I, that's the only thing I was like, and I don't think I want to be a math teacher. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I don't want to major in math. So then, you know, I went to the engineering school and I was just like, well, which one of these degrees requires the most math? Listen to me. Who says that? So then, the geek. Call so it was mm-hmm. like electrical and computer. I was like, all right, I took my first computer programming class. And I said, I think I'm going to go the electrical route. Mm-hmm. Amen. And this, is, this is what I'm going to do. This, that's, that's the way for me. Let's go this hardware route. Little did I know we have so many of the same classes. So it kind of really didn't matter. But so I did electrical engineering and I was so scared in undergrad that mm-hmm. when I graduated, someone was going to ask me to remember everything that I had learned. Like that was my fear. I had a unreasonable fear of going to the real world because I was like, people are gonna actually, you know, need me to recall all this information. It's just so much information. And I don't know if you remember, but in engineering school, they used to have these posters up everywhere and it said, fire protection engineering, 100% guaranteed job placement. Mm -hmm, I remember. And I used to see those and I said, well, I want a guaranteed job. (laughs) So then I went to go talk. Mm-hmm. to um, an advisor and I was just like well you know and plus you know electrical engineering is still the hardest thing that I've ever had to do and I was just like what can I do to like what else is in engineering can I do that's not electrical like what else can I do mm-hmm. and so then I was introduced to they used to have a program in Maryland where you could pick a major and a minor and so I, I went to go talk to them about doing fire protection and um, basically in, in short they said it's a terrible idea because in electrical engineering and fire protection engineering don't have any overlap. And they said, you know, if you were a mechanical engineering major or a civil engineering major, mm-hmm. that would make more sense. But electrical, you know, it's a hundred percent different curriculum. Okay. And I didn't listen. And I said, cause who was Cassie? You gonna, you gonna tell me that I can't do what? <laughs> Man, I got into that fluids class and I wow. said they were right. <laughs> mm. It's so they funny to me how right. <laughs> different engineering majors like Dolores is all about, you know, statics, things moving, mechan- you know, mechanics and the wall. And it's the mm-hmm. I don't have time for that. You're like, <laughs> girl, if it's fluids and it's moving chemical, like who's doing that? And then like for everybody else, you're like chemistry. Like, why would you even subject yourself to that much chemistry, you know, to be a chemi? And I'm like, you right. But I'm looking at you in <laughs> physics three, like. What is yes. this? What does this even mean? The transformer yes. and put y'all are geeks. Like so, we all call each other geeks. Each other geeks. <laughs> Which is so. Wait, we're all geeks. We're all geeks in our own way. So you did fluids, and you were like, Man. "I'm gonna go ahead and tap out." I, well, I no, I didn't. Oh, okay. I committed At this okay. point, I just struggled. Okay, I struggled through oh, those God. fire protection classes. This is now, this is, this is definitely something that I am uh, unfamiliar with. And mm. it was hard. I've, it was hard. Like it, it was because double E, we didn't take statics. So I had to go mm. back and learn statics and fluids so that I could get through this fluids and mechanics class. I was just like, it's too much. You know, I, my professor was very helpful. My fire protection advisor was very helpful, but yeah. So I went on interviews for both electrical and fire protection jobs. I forgot all about that. So yes, I forget about it sometimes too. I was like, yes, this is that 100% job placement part. But I didn't end up going the um, electrical route. I graduated and started a job with L3. Mm -hmm. But before that, I had, we were working at FERC and I actually extended my internship with them for a month. You know, because, you know, I was still, you know, I had to go through the whole uh, clearance process. 
I don't know why nobody shook me in my head at that at that age and told me to stay with Ferk. I don't know what I was thinking. I got an offer from the the office I was working in like, "Hey, if you want to stay on and just convert over as a GS employee at 21 years yes. old, you should do that. Nobody like I'm all like, I'm not working for the government. The government. Now yeah, I'm gonna win this thing. Um <laughs> but that's oh man, I just child if that ain't a failure if that ain't a failure but you don't know what you don't know at that age you right? don't know what you don't know and that's the thing like just like me coming into undergrad i didn't know what math majors did <laughs> like you you know as you as you grow you learn because yeah mm -hmm. now you know how many people try every day to get into the government yes that's right you know as engineers that's not it's not, and it's not what you're hundred percent told. And then I become a government contractor. So who's my boss anyway? Uh, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So at L3, you were a government contractor. You I was a government started? contractor. Okay. And yes. And that's okay. where I first learned what government contracting is. Cause mm. I didn't really know what that was truly either. And I remember I'm trying to explain it to my mother. I'm like, think of it like this, mommy. It's like a giant staffing agency. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> And we are placed where we're needed, right? Mm. Where the government needs help. She was just like, oh, okay. But what I didn't realize was the, the job security aspect, right? I didn't realize how many people um, were uncomfortable with being contractors for that reason. And it just didn't, it didn't dawn on me till, till I got got, right? I think it was, I'd been working on my project for a little over a year and they started doing cuts. And uh, one day they were like, Cassie, you know, basically you're not going to be here after I think I had two weeks, blah, blah, blah. But then they came back and they were like, psych, yes, you are. And so I was just like, oh, okay. But then they came back like a month later and was just like, okay, um, two days from now you're off the project again. I was like, what? I mean, the first time they had a whole going away party for me and everything. And then I didn't go nowhere. <laughs> They were like, we're not wasting our time and double dipping on this woman again. Right, so then the second, so then the second time, I didn't get no going away party. I was like, fine. But the part that really threw me off, though, was, so I got, my project let me go. So as a contractor, what you learn is that you don't, you don't always interact with your actual company very often because I was a sub. So I was interacting more with the actual uh, prime on the contract that I was working with. So, you know, I go back to my headquarters main office where I don't go very often, you know, they, they have this thing called overhead, or at least that's what they tell you. And you're supposed to, you know, they'll work on finding you another project. Well, mm -hmm. lo and behold, that didn't happen to me. And two days later, I was let go. That I was is no joke. devastated. Mm. Laid off? You might have failed? Like, how does that work? Not and I just, I just didn't get it. But, you know, once I realized, you know, again, I'm a year out of school, I realized, you know, that's, that's the world that you live in. It's not that you failed, the project ended, they didn't have anything for you at the time. So I immediately started interviewing again. I, I interviewed at a small company. They offered me more money. Let's and stop I was right like, there. Let's stop right there. Let's go backwards real quick. You were able to get a job right out of college, right? Very happy with that. And working for as a contractor, like you said, people don't understand the contracting world in terms of the um, uncertainty with employment and things of that nature. Yes. Do you feel the university could have done any anything to help you in terms of transition in the workplace? Oh, absolutely. So, 
you know, I remember they used to bring in different companies and do um, talks. And I, I remember going to one of those. And um, I remember being discouraged. Um, you know, Maryland got some interesting history. Well, that's a whole nother conversation for a different day. Okay. But, um, you know, they brought somebody in and they were talking about, you know, how, what did they say that they were only looking for American citizens or something like that. And I looked that lady dead in her face and I said, I was born in Washington, D.C. So she said, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, based on my last name. And then they were talking about it was a contracting company, but they didn't give us the details, right? They mm -hmm. were, it was very high level. They were like, you know, we hire this type of person and we have all this work, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't explain primes versus subs. They didn't explain um, longevity of projects. They didn't explain how if a project's funding gets cut, you know, X, Y, and Z happens. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, and maybe it wasn't their job to do that. Right. Maybe, you know, that's, they were recruiters. That was, that wasn't their job, but I do think the university, because they do provide students to, you know, con contracting companies every day, Lockheed, Raytheon, L3, all of them, Big GD, one. they all get a lot of people mm -hmm. from Maryland. And so I do think that the university could have said, you know, this is what contracting is, government contracting is versus like commercial work, mm -hmm. you know, versus, yeah. whatever startup work versus you know that would have been a very good conversation yeah. to have <clears throat> Sophia and I talked a little bit about consulting well she talked about consulting with her being at booze and then going over to now slalom with this which is more commercial consulting and I was just sitting there thinking like these are things that you don't even know exist until you start mm -hmm. really working in the field mm -hmm. so I definitely uh think the universities definitely should have more to it and maybe they do now in terms of coordinating with their career programs and things like that or the career office and things but oh girl the the fact of the matter is you still got into a good job you, I did you got let and, go and she, I got let go interview for another job I had an offer less than a week after I got let go with and then L3 they went more and they called me but L3 called me back and they were like hey <laughs> so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we have this new project do you want to come back and I remember talking to my mother about it because I was like, well, I mean, I got this new offer. They're paying me a little bit more money, this and that. And she was just like, well, take that offer back to L3 and see what they say. And they they exceeded the offer. Oh, wow. And I said, well, I don't know if I want to go back there because I, you know, I was in my feelings. I didn't like the way they treated me. I didn't like all of that. And my mother said, Cassie, never have loyalty to a company because it's work right? It's a business. At the end of the day, they have a bottom line. And if it comes down to it, they're not going to have loyalty to you. And then I said, all right. And she was just like, that doesn't mean you don't work, you don't work hard for a company or what, you know, or whatever. But she's mm -hmm. like, you know, you just have to keep things in perspective. It's business. And she's like, so at this point, you have a decision to make. Do you go with the devil that you know, or the devil that you don't know? Mm -hmm. And what did you decide? I went with the devil that I know. So I went back to L3. Mm, okay. And um, I stayed there for um, like two, two and a half more years. And then I was just like, it's time to blow this popsicle stand. What made you decide it was time to leave? What I've realized over the years is that when I get bored somewhere, and I feel like I'm no longer learning, growing, and contributing, I need all of those three things to be the case. And if learning, one of them growing and contributing. Yes. So learning a new subject matter, kind of yep. growing based on what you've learned or exploring Le both growing both. based on what I've learned and actually like advancing in my actual okay. like I'll say earning potential. Like what yep. is the actual mm -hmm. opportunity 
So learning, growing, and contributing. Mm, that's good. If I, don't, you know, if I don't feel like I'm being useful, then I'm like, why am I here? So. So you felt that um, and you were just like, all right, it's time to blow this popsicle stand. So what happens next? <laughs> and um, I'd run into an old coworker that I used to work on on my very first project with L3. And he was a Booz Allen and he said, you know, Booz has this um, great program. It's like this boot camp that they're putting people through and mm-hmm. um, you will be a great asset there, right? And at this time I had started uh, grad school. So I'm in grad school and I'm in grad school for information technology because I was actually debating about whether to go back to school for engineering or information technology. Mm-hmm. And that's something else I want to touch on because people think a lot of people think that technologists and engineers are the same, do the same thing and have the same job, but they actually don't. Talk about um, it. You want there, to talk about it now? Definitely a, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an, an interesting and important difference. For a lot of people, it doesn't really matter, but I know that titles sometimes get get people caught up. And I always say that in the engineering and in the technology world, all jobs are important. I used to do systems engineering, did that for a while. I've gone I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to go back and forth between engineering and and IT and a lot of people are like, well, you know, engineering is IT, but no it's not. And if you're an engineer, you know the difference, right? Mm. Because you've done a lot of engineers in the technology world. And I'm not saying IT people don't know the difference, but they know the difference because either they went to school for it or they're, they've done both. Okay. And some people re- get really in their feelings about it. And I don't understand why, because all jobs, they're all very much needed and they're all very important, right? You, um, I, I almost wonder if it has to do with how, the credentials that you have to get in order to become one of the other. And this is totally just my thought. It just seems like from the engineering perspective and looking from the outside in, the technology, I mean, technology has expanded a whole lot, right? And from what mm-hmm. I see, a lot of it is also, some people go to school, but a lot of people just get certs, right? They just get they a lot do, of certifications. And you, and you can do that in IT. And that, that is one of the big differences, right? Like there, you'll have a lot of people in the IT world who have the title of engineer, but they don't have a degree in engineering. And if you mention that, then it's just like, oh, well, we do the same job though. And I'm just like, that's fine. <laughs> so, but you know, they'll get, some people really do get their feelings about it. And I'm just like, like uh, you mad. okay, girl, you mad, right. It's not like there's, there's not a, a better than or worse than mm-hmm. again, everyone's role is important, but I do have a degree in engineering. So I do know why it's different. Right. And when I went to school and I do have a degree in it, so I know why it's different. Right. Mm. So when I went to grad school, I was just like, oh, I get that. I truly get the difference now. And engineers, basically, they're the the builders. They do the design and the coding. And they're the ones who actually, like, make the thing. And then IT professionals are the ones who use the thing and maintain the thing. What am I building for if nobody's going to use it and maintain it? Facts. Right? So both of those things are very, very important. Okay. And so that's why I always be like, it's it's you know, one needs the other. They're, they're both useful. Like who am I building and and designing for if they're not going to use it? And if, how am I use something that nobody ever created? Right. So so was your job Um, at Allen more on the technology side or still on the engineering side? So I did with Booz, with Booz and L3, I did systems engineering. Okay. And um, well, with Booz, I did both, but um, at L3, I did systems engineering um, and system architecture. And so that was a lot more um, 
design and requirements. Okay. And so that's the other thing, like systems engineering is an entire like true discipline, but it's in the IT realm. And so a lot of people don't, don't recognize it. And I'm going to say respect it because I do find that a lot as a, mm. as an individual discipline, because they throw the term systems engineering around so much that it encompasses sysadmins, system integrators, and people who don't do systems engineering at all. And when you ask them, you know, I'll ask people, I'm like, oh, you would like, I'll ask somebody, oh, like, are you a, you know, a true systems engineer? Again, people get any feelings about that. And I'm just like, a systems administrator is needed. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're a sysadmin, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I don't I understand think, why. Like, I, I used think, to be a sysadmin. <laughs> I, I used to you, do that. I think it's because you have a different perspective. Because like you said, you've had all these jobs, right? And yeah. you can respect all the jobs. It's like me working for the government. If I go to work at a headquarters location, very different from being out in the field in terms of, you know, at the different military bases. However, mm-hmm. my expertise in that, what they consider maybe a lower command, echelon, rank, whatever issue, you know, area is still mm-hmm. valuable to the people in headquarters. Like we all have to work together. It doesn't necessarily we mean that anybody is smarter than others. We just in a different exactly. geographic location. It yes. may just seem different. But again, I think that's part of if you start from the bottom or start at a place that maybe not necessarily be all the way at the top or this glorious loca- you know, position and things like that, you can still find value and appreciation for the for the other people that are part of the systems engineering world, which I think is, you know, outside of my ministry, because I don't understand any of that. <laughs> all of it's relevant and all of it's needed. That's that's basically, you know, that's what it comes down to. So what made you go back to school to get your degree in um, information systems technology so so I went to get because I was working in the IT world I was like oh well let me go ahead and figure this out like let me see what it is that I want to do this within this world right and um, oh and on my very first project Mm -hmm. I had so like I said I was a systems engineer but they I mean they had every aspect of IT on that project and I would me again because I just like knowing things I was like what do y'all do oh that sounds interesting what y'all do Ooh, that's what y'all do. And then I came across the database team and I'd taken database classes as electives in undergrad. And I said, oh, I did that. I, I learned Oracle. And they were like, oh, you want to help? And I said, no, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. That's how they suck Why you not? And so then I did. And they were like, hey, we need you to help us write this. So I wrote some PL SQL code. I was like, that was fun. Oh, you're a geek. Okay. I like that. And so then I went to school and I was just like, well, what can I do in grad school? And so I actually made... <laughs> So IT is a, is a is a major, and I was like, but I want to focus on uh, databases and security. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, those two things don't really. Uh, uh, Interesting. I'm, that's what I want to do. So then, I think while I was in grad school, they actually changed the curriculum so you could only focus on one thing. There's this common thread with your life, and I know we're only kind of still on the surface of your career, or at the beginning, I would say, at your career. But think, listening to you talk about school and the fire protection engineering thing, and now listening to you talk about making your own way or your own degree in terms of whatever, and then going into this new company, like, what y'all doing? You know, like, I want to do this. Typically, I think about how I'm going to title the podcast prior to based on the person and what I've taught, know about them or whatever have you. Mm-hmm. Now it seems very fitting because at first I was like, I don't know if this is going to fit, right? The pursuit of possibilities. But that's all you do, Dua. <laughs> That's all you do all the time. <laughs> What's possible? I can do that. I'm doing it. <laughs> What's next? I'm doing it. And that's a great personality to have. In general, is it because that's how who you are as a person or is it something that you've developed over time? 
I definitely think that's who I am as a person. Okay. I, I like lots of things. I used to be like, how am I going to figure out, you know, my life? Because I like so many different types of things. You do. And they're not always related at all. We're going to get to that. And, you know, it's just, it's just a thing. And I don't, but I'm just like, I got one life to live. Let me at least try it. Let me figure it you out. Also need some Touch sleep. on it. I but do. That's a whole nother conversation. All right. Thinking about the art of, po- you know, the pursuit of possibility, excuse me. You're at booze. You start doing database things. You're there oh, right. for a while. Mm-hmm. How long are you there before it's time for you to go to your next opportunity? A little over three and a half years. Ooh, okay. um, I, I did not have the most pleasant experience at Booz Allen. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I got what I needed to get. I, I grew where I needed to grow and I mm. contributed. Mm. And then it was definitely time for me to move on. Like, definitely time for me to move on. And um, I remember uh, when I was leaving Booz, um, I was, a, I was leaving as a, a database engineer and me and one of my coworkers put in our resignation on the same day, another database engineer. And we were, I think the last two in our organization, no, they had just hired one person and we were the, but we were the last two. Yeah, they had. So the other lady was maybe a, a month in. And I remember uh, they were like, oh, cause they, his boss got his first and they were like, oh, well, you know, he's leaving, but Cassie, we'll just pull Cassie in because we, they pulled us onto different projects quite often. We'll just pull Cassie in and she can take over. And then they found out a couple hours later, oh wait, she's leaving too. And um, now were you and the person leaving for the same reasons, do you think, or? for We or? were leaving for the okay. same reasons, but we didn't, we did not plan that. Right. It was not planned. It just happened. And how was that received in general? Um, I actually... His he he got a very negative reception. I got a very positive reception. Why do you um, think that is? Um. So I think it's for I think for him. Um, he, interestingly, and this is something else I wanted to talk on. His lead was also his friend, and so I think his friend took it personally. I didn't work for my friend. So how do you, you said you want to touch on that. So expand on that a little bit more. Well, I, I think that it's important to, because a lot of people say it's work. You don't need to have friends at work, but that's mm. hard. You spend so much of your time there. You know, I don't think it's impossible. I think you cannot have friends. Cause when I went into the workplace, I was just like, uh, I have friends. I don't need, I don't need y'all as friends, but inevitably I, I got friends at work. Right. And I like them. They're still my friends to this day, but in, in a situation where your friend is your boss, it can be a little, it can be a little t- touchy, a little sticky. Absolutely. Um, it's just like dating somebody that you work with, right? Like those are some, some work and personal things that you have to, Absolutely. you know, maneuver. Absolutely. And, and that, that can be hard. And I think that's why he got it so much harder than I did. And because I'm sorry, that go was ahead. his friend. His oh. friend, and he was very much in his feelings. Like it was a thing. Yeah, he took it way personally when business is business, like your mother said. Yeah. If folks need to learn how to be a bit more forthcoming in their personality, because you're not a typical engineer in terms of personality. Neither of us are. Neither of us are. Right. I think we're definitely extroverted folks with introverted tendencies. Yes. But definitely more on the extroverted side. What kind of advice would you give to somebody coming out of school or going to a new position? And they're just like, first of all, I'm not making no friends. Plus, in this COVID environment, 
I don't even have to see anybody if I don't want to because my job is 100% remote. What would you say in terms of how they can maneuver that space and understand the importance of building these friendships? I think you should think about what you want your career to look like long-term. And while you don't need friends, you need, you know, some sort of ally. Like you may not need to make friends, right? That might not be your thing. But I think that being friendly is important because no one wants to work with a a sour type of person. No one wants to, to be on a team with a person who's negative or has a sour personality or never wants to be around. I'm not saying you have to go to all the happy hours. That's not your job. But if you like going to happy hour, go. Just remember when you're at happy hour, you're still at work. Oh, okay. Teach the people. You're still at work. Okay. So, you know, if you drink, watch us. I say say one drink if you're going to do it. Because I've seen some things. Well, we've both (laughs) seen some things. Speaking of you already know what I'm talking about when I'm mm-hmm. sure that'll be a part of our conversation as well <laughs> of that whole situation because that's part of your job journey job. um all right so you're at booze you drop the papers and you're like peace out what's next for you peace what's your out. next career Move. I go to a small company yeah because like I said I did not have a pleasant experience at booze and I said you know what I'm done with these big companies I'm out I was like I'm I'm going small companies small companies have better benefits you know, it's a, it's a, it's a more intimate environment. Everybody's not pressed about your titles or trying to hold you back or, you know, because when I was at Booze, I did get promoted once, but I had to fight for that promotion, Crystal. Mm. And this is, I just, I want to backtrack for a second because Booze and a lot of companies do this. They have what they call a 360 annual review, which is where you get input from people that you work with and things like that. And oh, that's um, with us, we don't do that in the government. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So they do, um, you, they get input from people you work with. I mean, but at Booze, it was like a full-time job filling out your annual. They've since changed it because people complain. But like when you submitted your packet, it was like 10 pages. Oh, like that's it's, crazy. We have our lot. annuals, but it's not like that. Okay. Wow. It's intense. It's a lot. And in order to get promoted, you have to hit all these bullets. And the hardest one at the time was that you had to bring new business to the company. When I was working on a project, um, I was in grad school doing databases and uh, security work, right? The project I was working on, they actually brought me in as a programmer, even though I didn't want to program, but such is life is what mm-hmm. you do. So I was, I was doing Java and uh, I was like, Cassie, I remember why you don't like this. And so I was trying to find something else to do. I heard the branch chief in a meeting, he had another team and he was mentioning how they were looking for somebody um, a security professional who knows snort. And I said, snort, I learned that in school. And I was just like, hi. So I went to go talk to him afterwards. And I said, "Um, so you need uh, somebody who does information assurance and what they now call cybersecurity. He was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, well, can I come sit in on this meeting? And I went to sit in on the meeting, come to find out the team lead is someone I know, networking. And he'd worked, I'd worked with him before. And he was just like, oh, Cassie? Yeah, I don't know what it is that she's gonna be doing, but I wanna work with her again. (laughs) It's good to have people. Bring that on, bring that on over here, right? And then it was a contract we were not on. Booz Allen was not on. That was was actually an L3 contract. I got us a billet on that contract, which opened up the contract, which opened it up for new work. So I was just like, yes, I'm going to put this on my annual, of course, because I brought new business. And how often do you get an opportunity to do that? Yeah, I did my whole write up. I was all excited. I submitted it to my team lead. My team lead gave it to our manager. 
manager came back and he was just like, oh, um, I don't think I, I'm going to submit this. And I was just like, well, why not? And he said, oh, it's not your time. You've only been here for a year. Huh. And I said, and in that year, I've checked all of these boxes. So what is the problem? Right. And then he goes, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't really think. And I said, I need you to submit this packet. I put in all this work. I have all of the qualifications. There's no reason why you should not submit it. Like, I don't understand this whole time thing. Like, what does that mean? I was going to say, is he pushing back more so because he, he or she, you said it's a he, right? It's a was he, he pushing uh -huh. back because of the guidelines from booze in the general sense of like, you have to hit these certain target marks or do you feel like there was something else there? I think that it was, I think that he, what it was, was that there were people who were there longer than me who hadn't been promoted because nowhere in the guidelines did it say that you had to have time and hit these marks. You just had to hit all these marks. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And so that's not my issue or my concern or my problem. They should have been promoted if they were qualified. Now, if they weren't, Again, I can't do anything about that, but sure. I am, right? Like all of these bullets, way I hit to, them. Way to advocate for <laughs> yourself. So what happened? And so I got my promotion. I know that's right. How long did it take? And you, it, it was that same round. It's they, I think the, um, so you submit and I think that the review process is like two, two to three months. Okay. And then they, they announce, um, you know, if you get a pay increase or promotion, um, you know, three months later. And do you know, this man came back and was just like, Cassie, I'm so proud of you. You know, I really went in there and fought for you. Oh, did you? You don't go sit down somewhere. You know what I'm sir. saying? <laughs> oh, did you? Okay. It's, it's <laughs> great to hear how you advocate for yourself because I don't think enough of us do it, especially Black women, right? We don't yeah, do it I, enough yeah. because we think that we need to have a whole lot more than our counterparts or even at the bare minimum, right? Even And Girl, we don't necessarily... So many all these mediocre people walking around my gosh and the thing is they i mean for real like it's when you think about it you know they've always told us we have to work twice as hard and i'm not saying we don't but we don't have to like exhaust ourselves and i think that's what we tend to do i know that i do like i am not i am guilty of that 100 percent. and i still have that I'm, i work on it sometimes but i really do sometimes have to check myself and say cassie you work around, and I'm not mediocre. I'm like, you work around mediocrity. Like, you ain't even got to do a whole lot. Now you work around mediocrity. To look like, you know what I mean? Not, not not, in my current job. I actually have fantastic coworkers. Yeah, not the current one that we, we're going to step to eventually. But, in yeah, you know, in the past, yeah. and I, you're absolutely right. And it's funny because I had a conversation with someone else, and they were just like, we just never feel like we can put ourselves out there because we don't feel like we're qualified. And a lot of times especially the higher you go, you still have to have the technical proficiency, but the people skills are, are the things that start to kind of matter the most. Yes, those people skills, those leadership principles, yeah. they are, the soft skills are the very soft key. skills are very key. So you jump from yeah. booze, the big one, then you go to a small a firm. Small black owned company. That Hello? I feel like you still really enjoy that company because you talk about them so well. I How long were you I there with them? So I was there for eight months and then I got hit by sequestration. Do you remember sequestration, Crystal? Yeah, I was on the, I was on the government side of that. Exactly. I was at the Air National Guard. Yeah, and that was my first time. I was just like, oh, we can we cannot get money. <laughs> I thought we was in here. The government, especially DOD, I'm like, oh, we Girl, always gonna have money. They were just like, yeah, we always so gonna we have need money. You to send we need to give you this paperwork that basically you signing off that you're gonna take off so many days, we're gonna cut you so many hours. I remember one of my coworkers, he was like, 
I'm retiring. This is what this is telling me. It's time for me to go. It's time for me to that go. That man dropped his papers. We gave him a great retirement. But sequestration, anytime sequestration cool. or uh, like government starts doing the rounds where they have to start offering uh, early retirement packages early retirement. and all that kind of stuff, people it people start looking at their numbers. Like, I mean, I don't do have, I have to, to be stay. there. Why do I have to stay? So how does that fit into your realm, though? I, it, th th did that impact the contracts? Oh, you were yes, with? Crystal. Okay. So okay. when they did the huge cuts across the board, remember, we're government contractors, so our funding comes from the government. Right. I remember the, because they did two waves that summer. The first wave, I was on a project, and they called us all into the big room, and they were like, we're good. We were not affected by sequestration. So many other people I knew were. So I was just like, whew, thank God. And I just started on this project. I'm so glad. I was, again, happy that I hadn't been affected. A month later, they came back, and they were like, uh... So this round hit us. <laughs> so we thought we were going to get out of this unscathed, but we're not. They cut 40% of the workforce. Mm. And I was the last person they hired. And so I was the first person they let go. Yeah. Yep. And oh, second to last person they hired. They let her go, the other lady go too. And they cut me. And I was like, tag, I just got here. Mm. But that was a very hard time to, to find a, a contract. Like if you were a contractor... July of what year was that? 2013. Mm -hmm. July of 2013 to like November of 2013 was a bad time to be wow. a contractor. Didn't realize it that. was it was very very hard. I mean, I went on interview after interview, and I kept getting contingent offers. And contingent offers means it's contingent upon this contract being funded. That's yeah. what it means. Let me pause you real quick. Black-owned engineering firm or black-owned firm, right? Yes. That you're working for. Have you ever thought about starting your own firm? I think I feel like we talked about this before, but is this something that you, you know, still I have did. a goal for? Yeah. I don't know. So yeah. I did have this had this dream. I wanted to start my own company. So mm -hmm. this black owned company that I work for, praise them. They um after sequestration happened, you know, small companies don't have a lot of overhead. Yeah. So they usually can't keep people. Mm -hmm. They really liked me. And they were like, Cassie, we want you to come work in the front office. We have some proposal work. And we have, you know, like all of these things that they wanted me to do. And I said, cool, but they couldn't pay me my regular salary. Mm. Child, they pay me like an intern. I almost cried. Intern. Is that's that what, what you could... did between July and November? Or mm -hmm. that is what I did between July and November. While you were still looking for your another position. Oh, yes. So they let me go. Yeah, I got I got cut like mid-July. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. No, no, I got I'm sorry. They told me in mid-July. I got cut in August. So August is my last uh, was my last day. And then I went to go work in the front office. I got to work on proposals. Valuable. Very valuable. My company owner, he's actually a computer scientist. And the, the two owners, one's an electrical engineer and one's a computer scientist. Two very smart black men. So he had me work on like a skills database. And I, I helped to stand that up, which was, it was fun for me. It was during that time, though, that I was like, running a company is like mm. a lot. Yeah. You let my I mom just, tell it. Me, you, and Dolores need to open up our own engineering firm. She has said that my, before. She says that all the time. <laughs> I don't, y'all, black women, you need to open up your own engineering firm and get this money. I'm like, you know what? Get this money. It's not that we couldn't do it. It's just a matter we don't want to. It's a lot, Crystal. And Dolores has and her own firm now. She does. Yes, I remember she was you know, telling me. She and her husband are doing great things. Shout out to Techni Well, winning all the okay. all the government contracts. Yeah. Okay. 
which is amazing. But yeah, I, because of your personality, I was just like, but Cassie probably would still try to become an owner of some sort of firm, especially because you have your MBA as well. We ain't talk about that. We didn't. Bro, I forgot. That's the other thing I went to grad school for. I forgot. <laughs> totally you also forgot have your part. MBA. I do have my MBA. All right. So you're in this transition from the small company. Yes. And then but what that, happened? That, 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 that it opened my eyes to what it takes to run a company. And I mm -hmm. said, I don't want to do this anytime soon. I hear you. I, I was interviewing, interviewing, interviewing. Uh, I got a contingent offer from this one company and they were, it was a job in Virginia. And they said, it's gonna, it might take a little while. And I was like, okay. But in the meantime, I still needed a job because my company told me that they couldn't hold me past October 31st. Come, uh, yeah, so I guess it was, it was October 31st. They had to let me go. I'd signed a contingent offer with this company, a database company that I wanted to go work for. And then I found in another job. It was a 40% pay cut, but I needed a job until the other, you know, the other job popped came through. So I took this job, that job, I was there for three months and I was like, that was three months too long. That company actually doesn't exist anymore. They went out of business. It was the first place I ever worked where I didn't get paid on time. Mm. You know, people talk about black people. No. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, it happened twice where they didn't pay me on time. I said, oh, now y'all playing. And then the, the contract I was on, because of sequestration, they were, they were picking people up left and right and putting just butts in seats, but they weren't necessarily seats that those butts aligned with. So it was just like, you have this person who does X, Y, and Z, who has X, Y, and Z skill set, but you're telling them you want them to do A, by, a B, and C. That didn't work. And so things were just not getting done. I mm -hmm. remember somebody pulled down the whole database and was like, oh, our bad, Cassie, can you fix it? Right? Like, I mean, and that was like every day, every day it was something like that. And I was okay. just like, I can't stay here. I was gonna say, so it sounds like what frustrated you the most is a lack of good stability in terms of roles and responsibilities overall. And then mm -hmm. everybody just knowing where they really should land and how they should work together. Yeah, I mean, it just was not, they had the wrong people in the wrong positions. Okay. And again, and I, and those people felt that because it's just like, but they needed a job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, they, this was one of those contracts. This is when they were doing that. Was it low, low estimate, low cost or whatever they called it contracts. And, and it was just a thing. And people were just like, you know, I need a job. I was affected by sequestration. And so they were just taking positions and they felt the frustration. I felt the frustration. My team lead felt the frustration. I think we both resigned within a week of each other. Mm. When I got that call, that I, they were ready for me and my new project came. I said, thank God. So project, I remember. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes. You remember what? I just remember the day I was like, yes, I put in my resignation that moment. And I left. So the new company. I gave them three weeks. That's new company, company, moving to uh, move to a new company, um, new agency. Still big this, firm or still a smaller small firm? Small went to another small. Because after Booze, I told myself. Never again. You know, never again am I working for a big company. Ha ha, so jokes on you. Ha ha, okay. jokes on And, let's, and let's my mother to told me. Let's get to that. <laughs> she said, never never go to extremes, right? Don't ever say you'll never do anything because you never know what. Sure. But yeah, I worked there for a while. I learned a lot on that project because it was, it needed a lot of help. And, and that's one thing I can say on a lot of projects I've worked on. Mm -hmm. I've been by myself a lot. And I was a team lead on that project. Um, I've been by myself the second time I was a team lead. The second time I've been a team lead over people who are significantly older than me. Mm. And they 
have pointed that out to me. It became, it's, it's, it's been an issue for me more than once. Now let's talk about that, Dua, because I had that experience when I was at Walter Reed the first time around. Yeah, because I kind of was still around Walter Reed later. But I remember being the youngest on my team as well and having to deal with folks from an age aspect and also a black woman. One of my buddies, who's he's a buddy now, but at the beginning, I think we had cultural differences because he's black African, you know, male, mm -hmm. African male. And I think we butted heads a lot. Not butted heads. He respected what I was saying, but I felt like I had to earn his his uh, respect to a certain extent uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, because of age and culture and things like that. Why do you feel like folks were so big on saying that or what kind of comments were being kind of mentioned? Was it were they saying they were older than you or they just kind of mentioned it in terms of years of experience? So the the first experience was years of experience. He kept going on and on and about you know, he was, he's been working for X, Y, and Z, and he has ex-military experience. And that's the other thing. When you work around a lot of military people, they like to throw that in your face too, sometimes, um, that you don't have military experience. And, you know, he would say things like that. And I mean, he was grumpy and grouchy and he didn't do, he just didn't want to do what I asked him to do. Mm -hmm. It was interesting because his manager was also a black woman mm -hmm. and his team lead was a black woman. And I just think that he just... He couldn't, he did not like either one of those. He wouldn't complete, he would uh, do piss poor work, wouldn't complete his assignments properly. Mm -hmm. So I had to write him up. And then he got an attitude about it. And, you know, we had to have a whole sit down meeting it was a whole thing. And he would talk, yeah, he would throw the whole years of experience and I've been working longer than you've been alive type thing, <laughs> you know, all of that. And I was just like, all oh, that's fine. But, you know, we still have deadlines and deliverables and you still have to pull your weight. And if you can't do that, let me know, right? That's right. The second guy, he actually said to me, you young people, and he said it more than once, you young people, you think you know everything. Or, and, then, and then one time he said, do you know how old you are versus how old I am? And I was just like, I don't know how old you are and you don't know how old I am. And it's not really relevant to the work that we're doing right now. <laughs> so I know, need people so to hear on. that. There are a lot of people, we're, mid, we're still mid-career, right? And mm -hmm. I think we're a good mix between the technology, even though I just refuse to get on TikTok. I'm like, that's just way too much or Snapchat. <laughs> um, and that's how I know I'm getting older. But then there's we're also seeing majority of the demographic, I would say, especially for the government, is still maybe baby like boomers. five. What did you say? Baby boomers. Baby boomers. They're still in. They're still in. Think they're going towards retirement. However, I want. I hope people are hearing this that we need to be mindful as we progress in our careers about how we are mentoring those coming uh, behind us yes, with simple absolutely. words. With simple yes. words, it doesn't. And you could totally taint someone's experience just because even though what you may be saying is factual as far as the years of experience doesn't necessarily diminish the wisdom that that person may already have based on the new technology and the new way of thinking of the of the world and just a point to the military comment because I always have this issue where I always kind of say a lot of these 06s retired colonels captains whomever they never take off their uniform and once they go over to the civilian world and I found that the same thing with higher enlisted as well for a lot of people, what I've seen is the military becomes their entire identity. Mm. It is what makes them. And a lot of times I have to give them that grace. Like you mm -hmm. have been, you volunteered your entire life and I for this, for the country. And now you are, your whole life is different. You don't know um, in terms of the civilian lifestyles. A lot of times you do have to extend that grace to people. And that's, and that's important because that's a very, very, very important comment. The identity thing, oh, yeah. right? That's uh, that's major. Um, and a lot of 
a lot of the military people that I know, ex-military, current military, that is that is accurate. And it, it can be hard. I mean, change can be hard. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, when you're working in government space, a lot of things are tied to military practice, if nothing mm-hmm. else, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, time, for example. And, and like, you just I mean even things that you, things you pick up on. My coworkers are always like, I'm going to hit the head. I know what that means because yeah. I worked around enough, enough military people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, That's hilarious. <laughs> it is. Um, the way it translates is so interesting. And, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm around military all the time. Good friends that are military. And the identity thing is thick. And you definitely, yeah, you definitely have to do that. But, you know, again, we kind of look at our identity wrapped up in our degrees, too. You know, I'm an engineer. That's true. Yeah. No, that's, I, and, I, and that's, I dare you point. tell me something. I dare you tell me something. It, you know, whether I'm a tech lead, I'm a, in management. I'm I'm still an engineer. I'm be engineer forever. Call right. me which one? Engineer forever. So you all, you've done all these jobs. Now you are in a good position. Well, you you said the people called you. You're in a decent job contract, right? You mm-hmm. learned a lot. And then what happens? Because I'm trying to get you to work to your Amazon right now. Oh right. So then I left. Uh, and went back to the small black company <laughs> because oh, yes. they called me back and they had a position for me and I really liked them. And I mean, I liked the company I was at, but, um, it was, it was, it was time to go. Yeah. Cause like I said, I was with the, the three things I need to be contributing, growing learning and growing. And, and that's, learning. that's fabulous. And so, um, I was like, eh, you know, it's running its course time for me to go. Went back to Avid, worked on a project that was very toxic actually and it was another place where I worked on a lot of projects where I was like by myself as my coworker said you know you're you're in firefighting mode they they bring you in because something is a disaster something's like completely broken and they're like we need you to fix this and you're like what (laughs) and that and that was that job Mm -hmm. what I didn't realize going into that job is that on the team I was working on they'd never had a woman on their team Um, I didn't know that when did, it, when, did, when did that happen? When did the light bulb go off for you? Like, wait a minute. Uh, my coworker told me. And why did they even bring that up? Uh, when I first started, my coworker, just like how you were saying, you don't want to talk bad about something so the people behind you don't have like a negative experience. He kind of mm-hmm. was like, all of the people who've been in your position have left one way or another. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, and all of them have left because of the team lead. You know, I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't you know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is. I just sure. got there, and I was like, mm-hmm. that's an odd thing to say. But okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but all right. You know, so I'm I'm cognizant because the person who told me was a black man, mm-hmm. and so I'm cognizant or whatever. And um, so you know, I'm you know I'm in there. I'm making suggestions, and he basically was like, oh, well, you know, they don't really like change around here. Hmm. Okay. That's not. I mean, I, I don't go in suggesting change. I don't ever go. I go in and I usually like check out the lay of the land, see how things work and what needs, like what they need me to actually do. Because mm-hmm. um, I understand change is hard for a lot of people. That's mm-hmm. that's one thing you definitely learn working with people, working, working with the government, whatever. But what I did notice was that uh, one of the things that was changing is that the team lead wouldn't talk to me. And so I was just like, it was very odd too, because he would... <laughs> He would do this like one day, right? I went to the bathroom. I came back systems down. 
what happened? Database, all whole database. What, what's going on? No one's answering me. And they're just like, we need all hands on deck. And I was like, well, I need to know what I'm on deck for, like what's happening. So then I'm just going in, I'm looking at the logs. And then I said, well, it looked like somebody changed this parameter. And I said, why would they do that? I said, did they not realize that this would crash the database? And I said, and who is in here? Because it's only two DBAs. Why is anybody touching the database? It was a team lead. He tells my coworker, oh, well, I have read something on Google about... You arrest something on Google and mm-hmm. you brought the whole system down. Why so would you do that? But you said something in general to everybody, but he didn't speak I was, to yeah, you. He didn't speak to me. He didn't say anything. <laughs> and so I fixed it. I fixed the problem. Mm-hmm. It was like, I saw him in the hallway later and I was just, I was going to talk to him about something. This man, like, you know how on TV people like back up against the wall and like, like mm-hmm. slide on the wall when they want to avoid somebody. <laughs> he did that. It was straight off of TV. And I was like, that was awkward and odd. And then that, so that was one instance. And then another instance, um, oh, there was a, something had changed and I'd, I'd fix something. And then I said, I, w- I was going to need a little bit more time to fix something else. He sent an email immediately afterwards. Mind you, he sits two desks from me. Didn't come over to me, sends out this whole message like, well, if she can't fix it uh, and, you know, then we're just going to revert back, blah, blah, blah. I had literally... In the time he was apparently typing this email, I had finished doing what I was doing. So I immediately sent a, a, a follow-up. He had, he had CC'd the, the government PM. So I responded with the guy and I was just like, it's fixed. And that was it. And so then the PM came over again, not talking to me because people didn't talk to me. And he went to the team lead and he goes, and she, he goes, well, she said, cause he never said my name. That was the other thing. He kept referring to me as she and her. And I was just like, so I heard him talking. I said, we're not gonna do this anymore. I stood up. I walked over to his desk and I said, hello. And he looked all uncomfortable. And then, right. And I said, yes, I was like, yes, I, Cassie, did fix the problem. And this is what I did to solve it. And then he was just like, oh, oh, okay. And I was just like, "Mm, okay. It was, he did stuff like that constantly. A lady who worked on a different team, she told me, you know, you're the first woman on the team. Mm. And I said, ever? And the project had been around for, what did they say, 10 or 15 years. Never had a woman on that, on that, on that team. Ultimately, hmm. did, the, did, was it, did you leave for the same reason, because of the team lead? I, yeah, I, I left because, the, yeah, it was not a good situation. I was How like, this man is crazy. And a year. I think I hit exactly a year. And I was okay. just like, I don't need to be here anymore. I, mm-hmm. I learned what I needed to learn. Hello. I got, this, I got the skills that I wanted to get. And I said, it's time for me to go. So like, wh- these people are crazy. <laughs> Something so, is wrong with them. But this was at the Black Company again, right? Yeah, yeah. So this was a project. Okay, got that it. I was but it on. was a specific project specific. with the different people. Tracking. So then with the same company, I went to a different project, I'm loved this project. I stayed there for two and a half years on the same project. And that's not like me. I usually change projects every year, year and a half, get bored. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, no, I stayed there for two and a half years. And what caused me to leave was, well, I had gone to this um, conference because my line sister, Crystal, she was being honored with this award. And so... She got Engineer of the Year, just so you guys know, in case you were wondering. And it was the Bayer Conference. That's the Black Engineer of the Year Awards. And so I had gone with her to this <laughs> event to support her. She gave this great speech, this awesome gown. Okay, sidetracked. And so we were there. And during our time there, we actually met this uh, man and woman, this husband and wife. And they just started talking to us, you know, just chilling, 
talking. And then the guy, he mentioned that um, he was uh, a panelist or something like that. Mm-hmm. We're like, well, you know, we, they ain't just having regular folks be panelists. Like, what you do? Exactly. He was just like, oh, I don't do, you know, I don't do much. And then he left or something, went to the bathroom. Me and Crystal look at his wife like, what does he do? Exactly. <laughs> he does something. He's trying to act like he doesn't do anything. And she was just like, as long as he's been working there, he better do something. Um, but come to find out, he he worked for um, a company, uh, Boeing, and it was uh, he and I exchanged information. Crystal hit me like a week later. It's like, did you ever email that man? Absolutely. And I say, I sure didn't. And then she's like, great, but email him. And so that day, I emailed him. I sent my resume because he asked me to send him my resume, which I didn't do. And I sent my resume over, and um, he hit me back like I'm I'm still talking to Crystal, and he hits me back. And so, I said, Crystal, he, he responded. He said, what he say? <laughs> you got to get in there. Strike while the iron is hot. Absolutely. He was, he, was, he was like, I've been waiting for you to email me. That's what he said. I said, oh, okay. One thing led to another. He passed my, my um, resume around to some different, different Boeing teams in the area. I interviewed with Boeing, and they offered me a job. Big firm. Going big, back to a big firm, mm-hmm, right? There we go. Mm-hmm. And back to doing engineering. And so this was going to do back to doing engineering, which at the Bayer conference, I had been, I was talking to Crystal about how I was inspired. I was like, you know what? I feel like I want to go back to engineering. I remember that. And so I did. How long uh, were you there? I was there for two years, Mm -hmm. two years doing like, and this again, this is like, I was doing engineering, like I was doing systems engineering. And then I went on to do electrical engineering, like hardcore electrical engineering. Like I'm doing circuit design, RF design. I'm doing like printed circuit boards. Like we are making things. Like, me, <laughs> like I'm me, building an antenna. It's amazing. Let me bring you back to a statement that you made earlier in this interview where you said, I was scared that when I got out of undergrad, they were going to ask me how to really do this stuff. Yes. And look at yes. you. Child. Years later. <laughs> having to do the stuff. Having to do the stuff. Ain't that a, if that ain't a full circle moment, I don't know. <laughs> it I don't was, know what it is. It was crazy. I'm sitting there like, I think I called you. I said, Crystal, they like actually want me to do like electrical engineering. Yeah. I'm like, brilliant. I have to do. I'm like, I have to do res- resistance and I'm, I'm, I'm literally, Ohm's law. I'm sitting here, Ohm's law, Crystal. Yeah. Capacitors and, and, and such. But you're so I'm, smart, Cassie. You're so smart. Girl, you're that so tested smart. me. And you got through I it. I really appreciate that. It, it did, but that was, but you know, I, I, I liked it, Crystal. Of course. I did. I enjoyed it. I was working right under the chief engineer. And they, at the time, they were prepping me to take his job. He wanted to retire in the next two years. He was like, we got two years to get everything out of my brain and into your brain. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> and he said, and he wanted me to apply for the tech fellowship program. He was just like, oh, yeah, you definitely need to do this. Like, I mean, he was a, an awesome mentor. Mm-hmm. And then that project went away. And uh, I got sad. Okay. So the project going away is what's helped or contributed to you deciding to apply for other jobs and um, it is cassie started applying for jobs on the sneak and didn't tell anybody um, that she was applying for positions and then all of a sudden it was like well it kind of happened like that i did not know what i wanted to do next Mm. i was actually trying to go somewhere else within boeing um i was i was considering going to california yeah 
I was, I think I told you that. Yeah, you did. I think I told you that. I I was considering going to California. Um, I was, I was, I wanted to stay with them going. I wanted to, you know, stay doing engineering. Then they, I got put on another program where guess what? I'm doing proposals because guess who had proposal experience, right? And um, I'm working on like hardcore proposals. I'm doing all of the things all of the aspects of it. Like mm-hmm. I'm doing the BOEs, I'm doing the the resumes, I'm doing all of it. Security plan, I'm doing everything, right? And we ended up getting getting uh, the work, but um, it was intense. And during that time, they had um, asked me if I wanted to be chief engineer for the project. And I said, okay. I said, I need a valid job description. Mm. And what's the conversation looking like? Because that's more money. I mean, that's more responsibility, a lot more work. And it was happening there. And at the time, um, they were they wanted it to be a lateral move. And um, I was just like, mm. I took the position. Yeah, um, good for your resume. Yes, that's excellent for my resume. I did take the position. Because, you know, one thing my, my, my uncle told me this. He said... Um, don't chase money. The money will come. You know, he told me that, that is my whole philosophy <laughs> when I think about where I'm moving next with positions. Yep. And when I went to Japan, I took a pay degree. Like, mm, I remember. I'm, I'm going out there to live. And I was yep. like, I don't really care about that. So I definitely agree. The money's going to come because you're, the money's- if the position is the right position and it, it fills you with your, you know, your learning, your growth and cont- contributions, you're taking a wealth of information with you to just apply for, to a next opportunity. Exactly. That exactly. And I, it makes perfect sense. And I did, I mean, when it came around for our an, annual review, I got, I got my coins. So nice. I was, I was good, but so why leave? you know, I, I always thought about that. Don't chase money. Why leave? Because it was time. It was time. Remember those three things. I was contributing heavy. Yeah. Which is beautiful. But I wasn't really learning. Or I mean, I did, let me not say I did. I did learn more aspects of, of proposal writing. Let me not say that. So I did okay. learn, but um, I I still you know what I mean I still had the technical bug and it, you know they was trying to put me on the hundred percent management track, yeah. which I want to be on one day, but I'm not, not there right yet. Now. I was just about to say sometimes it feels like the your the learn, which I'm gonna start stealing by the way, the mm-hmm. um learning, growing and contributing factors. I'm I'm stealing it in terms of what am I gonna ask myself when I really look at a position, like when I really start to get like why am I so antsy right now? Like what is mm-hmm. the behind it? And I'm gonna look at those three factors. What I was gonna say is I feel like some of those factors might matter more in terms of percentage, depending on what season you're in and in, in, in your career, yes. right? Because you yes. might just like, no, let me just contribute because I may have a lot more influence right now. I don't necessarily have to grow, um, you know, a hundred, you know, at thirty three percent or whatever. It doesn't have to look equal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you got the bug. You got the bug, and you're just like, it's time for me to try to do something different. And then you ended up applying to Amazon. I did. I ended up applying to Amazon and that kind of came out of nowhere because I actually didn't know what I wanted to do next. I was like, all right, Cassie, where are you going? And I said, are you going to another big company? Are you going mm-hmm. small again? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I was actually talking to Avid. I went, <laughs> because you won't let him. The recruiter reached out to me and he was like, Cassie, we have this position. Cause you know, they still talk to me. They still invite me to their Christmas party. This is great. Absolutely. 
and they were like, you know, um, what, what do you think about this job? And I was just like, eh, I mean, it's cool. Mm-hmm. The money was good. Um, but I did not want to have to commute out to North Bethesda every day. That's where the position was. North and it Rockville. wasn't, ex- right, Rockville, Crystal, thank you. <laughs> Go ahead. And it wasn't doing exactly what I wanted to do. And I was just like, nah, you, you know, you're in a position a position in your life where you don't have to take a job. You don't need a new job right now, Can right? We just, let's talk right there, Dua, because <laughs> I think this is a beautiful place to be for a lot of us where it's like, I can choose what I want at this point. Yes. You know, it's not a yes. necessity. It's, it sounds like most of your positions, unfortunately, were because of the need, right? Like mm-hmm. definite need, but you're in a good spot of like, I don't really have to rush. I'm okay. I, don't, I may not feel 100% fulfilled right now in my current position, but it's not something that I have to force myself to do. And at our age, it's like, I, I need to be very selective about where I want to go, yep. right? Yep. Because I, I may not want to jump around as much right now for whatever reason, whatever life is going to look like over the next so many years. It makes sense for me to just kind of do exactly what I want to do and not just take something to take something. Like, is this really going to be a is, good fit for me? When yeah. I was when I when I made the decision to leave Booz Allen, I looked for a job for a year. It took me a year to find the the job with Avid, like the job that I wanted. And then, unfortunately, you know, sequestration mm-hmm. did force me into taking jobs. Where, you know, you learn everywhere. But yeah, so now I'm in a position again, and I'm just like, all right, you know, I told him, I said, uh, thank you for considering me, but you know, mm-hmm. that's I'm not interested in that position. And then um, I'm still trying to figure it out because where I was, like I said, I'm doing like so much proposal work. Um, I'm, I'm a chief engineer and chief engineering is very heavy on the PM side. Um, it, it definitely, uh, especially with, um, mm-hmm. with Boeing and with most, most engineering companies. And so I'm just like, all right, Cassie, are you going to, are you going to go, you're going to keep this route. You're going to, you know, going to do the PM thing. What do you, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to figure that out. They have these management positions that opened up and they were like, are you going to apply? And I'm like, all right, well, mm-hmm. let me figure it out. My old coworker. And I want to keep saying this. This is why networking is important, right? Yeah. I was about to say networking I've, I've, sounds like it's a huge part of your, a, your career is. trajectory. Networking and being nice. <laughs> because people Making don't friends. want to work with people. Making friends. People don't want to work with people they don't like. Mm. My old coworker hit me randomly from the project that I had left before I came to Boeing, as a matter of fact. He left that project too. And he was like, hey, I got this new opportunity. And I'm like, where are you at now? And he said, I'm working for Amazon. I said, it's not right. How's that going? And I thought he was going to, because we usually catch up talking about like travel and things like that. So I thought he was about to tell me about his next trip. And he said, and I thought about you. I said, okay. And he said, "Um, yeah, we're looking to expand our team. And he was just like, and I think you'd be a great fit. I said, oh, okay. Well, let me think about that because that would require me to go back to the software and database world and remember I decided I wanted to do engineering. So that was a thought. And I had to, I had to deliberate for a while. I said, let me think about that. And I thought about it. And then he hit me like two days later. He was like, hey, not to be pushy. <laughs> but to be pushy. We <laughs> got to get this started. But to be pushy. Right. Um, you know, there are, he's like, I do know at least one other person who's going to apply. And he was just like, and I really think you'd be better. And I'd rather work with you. Mm. And he's like, he's like, what's the harm? And then I was like, you know what? You're right. What's That's the harm right. in this? I mean, I'm you got you had to go through like five million interviews, but I mean, hey, what's the harm? What's the harm? And at the time, I didn't know all this, so I was just like, oh, let me at least let me throw my hat in a, in a ring. Yeah, what yeah. the worst that can happen? Right. They called me the next day, uh, and yeah. they gave me the initial, you know, this is what we do. Let me see if you, you know, if you match mm-hmm. up, blah blah. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, cool. And they were like, next step is your first interview, your first Ooh, phone screen. Goodness. 
I said, cool. All right, how's this going to go? Man, who knew that a phone screen was so intense? How many people were on the panel? This is just the screen. This is step one, step two, technically. So, right. So just you and one um, more person, one other person. Me and one more person. Wow. Okay. To screen you through. Got it. And screen you because, yeah, because if you you don't pass your screen, they don't don't move you forward. Are they asking you technical questions? Oh, yes. Okay. Got it. I'm sorry. All of the technical questions. Okay. I'm I'm never upon (laughs) it. And that's the thing, right? So when you've been doing systems engineering and electrical engineering and proposals and building antennas for two years, (laughs) like, uh, wait, hold on. Databases. Hmm technology, how do computers work again? Like, you know, you, these things are like things that you have to remember. And I did, you know, I had to study for this, this little phone screen, not little mm-hmm. phone screen, I had to study for it. And I was just like, huh. One, I was surprised that I remembered as much as I did. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, I was just like, uh, is this the job for me? That was what I thought afterwards. I was just like, hmm, I don't know. And um, so my coworker called me and he's like, how'd it go? I was like, you know, it went. I was just like, but I don't know. I don't. I still don't know if this is what I want to do, right? Right. <laughs> and he was just like, well, you know, whatever. We'll see. Then they called me back, and I was just like, okay. <laughs> so I guess they kind of like me, and um, that went on um, for a while. And um, during that time, I also um, I was studying since I was now. I said after the second interview, I was just like, all right, let me go ahead and like commit right Mm -hmm. and um so like you know i had to really study for this because my job is as a database specialist and while i know uh you know i know the no i know relation like relational databases oracle and postgres and mysql sql server stuff like that um but i needed to know the the cloud side Mm -hmm. and so i'm studying and i wanted to make sure like this was a personal goal of mine again because i put pressure on myself constantly but i wanted to um pass the basic AWS certification um, before my final interview. Oh, wow. Um, I, I did. I passed it literally the day before my interview. <laughs> wow. How many interviews did you have total? Three. Three interviews, y'all. And the Three last one is the, is the panel. Oh. The, and the last one is the panel. My goodness. Now you work for Amazon. Huge. I do. I work Huge for Amazon. Com- which it is. is- Look at me at another big company. Another big company, <laughs> right? And it's amazing. Um, it is amazing. And I want to emphasize like again, like people who are looking for positions need to take the time to actually put forth the effort to research the company, the needs, yes. the position, yes. and not just show up thinking that you're going to be able to go off the you cuff. Can't, you can't wing it. Like you exactly. got to come in prepared because you, the people that I know who have who have a good technical background, but weren't truly prepared, they didn't get past the phone screen. And I think that they would be great assets at the company, but they just weren't prepared. Uh, and preparation is, is definitely key. Preparation is key. Um, and, you know, and again, being, being personable is important. I mm-hmm. think that um, um, at Amazon, we have leadership principles that we, we hold near and dear. We're very, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so... That's a big thing. And I, I do love my company now. So you enjoying it, do I? I do. I like, I like where I work. Yep. I'm so happy for you. So I'm glad that we stepped through your entire career progression because outside looking at, I'm your friend and I know that you moved a lot. 
hearing the stories behind why you decided to to make moves, I think is important for people to know whether you're an engineer or a scientist or not even within the STEM realm, because these are certain things that I think can apply to everybody, no matter where you are in your educational pursuits as well, in your career progression. One other thing Cassie didn't mention is that she has other certifications and things because she went back to school to do accounting. I did. And we don't even have to go through all of that, but (laughs) it's leading. I'm bringing that up because it's leading to this one question that I have for you. Um, you know, what is your ideal career opportunity in a perfect world? Because you have so much about yourself, not only within the educational aspect of things, your social, social, social justice, um, really big with event planning, um, just everything. What do you feel would be, I mean, I know you're good at Amazon now. But if you yep. could look at Cassie 10 years from now and be like, that's what I'm aiming for. What does that look like for you? Um, I think that I would like to be the CTO of a company. CTO um, is? Chief Technology Officer. So or the CIO or, C- or Chief Information Officer. Um, or I would like to have my own company. And um, I think that it will be able to bridge all of the things or not bridge, but bring together all the things that I'm, I'm interested in. Right. Like mm. you mentioned, you know, I'm the, I'm still the president of the black, um, black alumni network, university of Maryland. We just came off of our first black alumni weekend Congrats. Um, where I was the chair. So, you know, that was successful. And I, I am, I really enjoy that work and I'm very passionate about it. And that work does entail, you know, creating spaces for black alumni and, you know, pushing, pushing our agenda. Like we, you know, there are things that, that black alumni would like to see done. And, you know, I'm, I'm helping to accomplish that starting mm-hmm. with scholarships, things like that, mm-hmm. um, which we have done. And then, you know, I do have my MBA mm-hmm. um, and management and I did get um, my certificate in accounting. And I think that, and then, you know, I have my degrees and my technical degrees, engineering and information technology. And then the experience, I think all of those things combined as a CTO or CIO or a company owner, I can leverage because with that, I want to be able to help people, Mm -hmm. black people find careers Mm -hmm. in technology. I want to be in a position where I can affect change in a position where I can lead a position where I can hire. And I want to be able to open companies' eyes to the fact that, you know, there are other very qualified, capable mm-hmm. Black engineering and technology students, science, engineering, technology students who would be an asset to, you know, whatever company I'm at um, or what or the company that I, that I um, run, manage, own myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, having a technical side and having the business side is very important. Absolutely. Um, understanding cash flow is very important. It's one of the accounting. reasons that I wanted to go wanted yeah. to go ahead and get get that certificate in, a, in accounting because um, a lot of you know a lot of companies fail because their cash flow is Absolutely. not not where it needs to be. So I'm glad you got an answer because I wondered. I was like, does she even have an ideal you know position of what she wants to do? I know I'm still thinking through that for myself, and I I think I do have an idea of what I want to do within the government. Um, what I'm you want to do? I'm staying in the government. My ultimate goal. And I definitely want to stay within DOD is to become an executive director um, at one of the commands, right? Yes. That's one of the people at the top. 
And that's a people job. That's a people job. That's understanding the technical know-how, but also understanding the value and leveraging the expertise of other people and knowing just, you know, people management and also supporting leadership, right? In terms of being very focused on whatever the mission is for the organization. So I'm kind of aiming towards that, whatever that looks like. I don't know, because right now I'm heavy in the technical. Actually, that's not true. I'm pulling out of the technical a little bit more and doing more programming. Uh, don't be acting, yeah, you be in charge of people and projects. Well, and stuff. something like that. But anyway, this is about you. You like so. This is about big you. time. Yeah, not really. Uh, anyway, yes, really. So after as we bring this wonderful interview chat conversation, I definitely hope the listeners enjoy because the vibe is very different. Because I know you, so for me, it's not me <laughs> jumping in a lot and asking a whole lot of questions. And I noticed that I probably did the same thing with Dolores too. I just let her talk because I know enough about your lives, and I'm always fascinated about how you all deliver and see yourselves because I think. Again, kind of going back to what we talked about before about us not recognizing our worth. We just we're just doing life, right? We're yeah. just doing life. And I hope that when you listen back to this episode that you'll actually be like, "Man, like I really be doing stuff." I mean, your body tells you that cuz you tired all the time. Tired all the time. Okay, yeah. but I hope that you actually will walk through the path and remember all the stuff that you've accomplished. Before we leave, two things. Is there a resource or a piece of advice that you would pass along to listeners that you feel would be most beneficial for them, whether in their career or even their education? In terms of like technology, if you're wanting to learn, a lot of people always say, you know, how can I get started in IT? How can I get started in the technology realm? Two, um, like websites that are like classroom learning type environments um, or just courses that you can take, uh, Udemy. And Coursera are both really good, um, especially for uh, studying for certs and things like that. If you are interested in working for or learning AWS, I would say um, definitely start out with the cloud practitioner exam. And then you can sign up and get a free account, an AWS account, and you can use the free tier and just play around on there. I would also say that, you know, I think that the other side of technology, and this is going completely out of probably the realm of most people, but I'm very also a big, I'm also a very big advocate of vocational skills. Mm. And I think that that is something that is very, one, it is something that's very much needed. When I was at the Bayer conference the last year, that's one of the sessions I went on is went, sat in on, um, was talking about how there is just like there's a decline in women in engineering, sadly, there's a decline in women in engineering. Mm -hmm. There is a decline in vocational skills, Mm -hmm. especially uh, like electromechanics, which is needed for like airplane repair, airplane flying, things like that. Those are very needed skills and very well-paying jobs Mm -hmm. that people oftentimes ignore. Um, So there's STEM and vocational skills as well, right? UDC, for example, has an entire program dedicated to uh, learning aeromechanics, and you get a degree when you graduate uh, AA, and you will, um, you have a job, job paying, I think they said come out the door, is like $70,000, and you go work on airplanes, fixing airplanes, which is a very needed job. And then the other thing I would say is, you know, I think I mentioned it before, but networking is really key in life. And you, everybody does not have to be your friend. I'm, I'm not, that is not what I'm pushing. Being friendly 
can help you along in your career a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of people who get where they are based on who they know and not necessarily what they know, but they're personable, they're people people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Um, Being good at your, and always be like, keep your resume updated always. Even if you're not looking for a job, my resume stays updated. Keep your resume updated and stay good at your job and you'll never have to worry about one. That's what I say. There it is, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Dua has given you all the information and you need to take it because clearly she's successful in all the things as proof by this conversation. Cassie, thank you so much. For... Oh, thank you, Crystal, for having me. I, I appreciate it. I just want to say thank you, Crystal, for this space, right? We here. We here. Black women in STEM. What are we doing? We doing everything. We doing we it all. We trying. And to... you know, Crystal created this space for us and that's wonderful. Thank and you. so kudos to you, Crystal. You're doing big things too. I know mm-hmm. your first podcast was you being interviewed. So that was exciting. <laughs> so was. thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for considering me. Oh, and please. one more thing. Uh-oh. I just wanted to tell the people, you know, don't be afraid to change. If you don't feel like something satisfies you anymore, like the whole learning, growing, contributing thing that I talk about. I know change can be hard for a lot of people. But don't be afraid to move on. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't like the next situation, you can leave that too. But so just don't be afraid and always remember there's something that you can learn where you are, something. And we're going to go ahead and end on that. Thank you for joining us today and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Crystal. You're welcome. Bye. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you feel equipped and encouraged to stay the course along your STEM journey. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you are notified when a new episode is posted and share it with your contacts. You can listen weekly on your preferred podcast app or by visiting stemsync.net. I encourage you to become part of the conversation to help cultivate a network of support. Feel free to submit questions and topics with an email to podcast at stemsync.net or messaging StemSync via Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Thanks for the link up and sync up, prototypes. Until next time. Ooh.